What's up, everyone? Welcome to Brewery Talks Podcast, a podcast bringing you the stories behind the beer as I travel across the country. This episode is pretty kick-ass. We're in Sedona, Arizona, which is a beautiful town in northern Arizona. And I sat down with the founder and Sedona native, Kali of Sedona Beer Co. In this episode, we talk about what it was like for them to start up on their first couple of days. We talk about how some of their beers include local ingredients, um, including one that they actually cut a branch off of in uh, off a juniper tree in the parking lot. And we also talk about how she's balancing everything while she's still working full-time at her other job. And their tap room is pretty sick. I actually edited most of this podcast in the tap room while drinking beer one afternoon. So, hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Make sure the mics are working. Mine's working. Want to talk? Is mine working? Your mind. Yours is working. Do I need to be working. way closer? <laughs> <laughs> I can only turn the gain up a little bit. Um, okay. All right. Should we start? Let's do it. All right, guys. Welcome to the podcast. This is Nash. Today we're in Sedona, Arizona, at Sedona Beer Co. I'm sitting here with Kali. I said that right, right? Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, this is amazing. So Sedona, Arizona, is breathtaking we came here we were going to stay one day and now it's been over a week and we're still here and we're still planning to stay until next week Sedona's amazing it is it's an awesome place and it's a it's you know if you've never been here before it's pretty shocking when you get here yes it is and i mean how do you describe this it's just huge red rock like walls just surrounding this little city in like a valley yeah we're in a valley in northern arizona and uh what most people don't know about northern arizona is it's not full of cactuses and desert <laughs> um so you know i i say it can kind of be like Moab, kind of like but those other scenic places, but it's got its whole own little character. You can't really finish exploring it. It's a great place to be outside. Oh, yeah. It's actually funny that you compared it to Moab because when we first got here, my girlfriend and I just kept comparing it to Moab to the point where we were saying we're in Moab, even though we're in Sedona. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, it, like with the hiking thing, there's like so many super rewarding hikes that aren't like too hard so like any kind of hiker if you're experienced or you're just beginning to hike there's like some rewarding hikes everywhere in Sedona which totally as an outdoor community it's not one of those places you have to be an expert in something to really enjoy it whether that's mountain biking or hiking or anything you can find a way to enjoy the outdoors here Um, if you want to be an expert mountain biker expert hiker those hikes are here if you want to keep it flat and level those are here too yeah yeah it's that's it's pretty spot on from what I've seen. <laughs> uh, and you grew up here in Sedona. Yeah, yeah. So what is that like? So is this considered a tourist town? Yeah, absolutely. So right as of right now, we have somewhere around 10,000 full-time residents. Um, last numbers I heard is we get about 5 million tourists a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, we have a, a pretty tourism-based economy. We have high times and low times. And, and that's been the case since I was a kid. Um, my family moved here before my first birthday, so... I, uh, this is the, my, my home. Yeah. That's, it's a really cool place to call home. I'd say totally. it is, it is for the, for the touristy seasons. Do you find that cause in the summer in Arizona, I've heard stories of Arizona getting to like in the over like 110 degrees in August. Is that the same up here? No, oh, <laughs> it it's Northern Arizona. It's not, it's not <laughs> Phoenix. So it gets hot here. Um, hottest days are 105s, which is brutal it's still hot (laughs) um but it's never like you know you can get phoenix in the 120s let alone the 110s and it's not like that it's not quite an oven it's hot you need air conditioning if you go to flag it's always 10 degrees cooler up there because they're at seven thousand feet so you can escape the heat if you need um 
and you know for those who don't know Flagstaff is a, a college town that's about 45 minutes from us so um you can you can escape the heat it's way less intense up here than it is down south and we have a, a creek that a lot of people spend a lot of time in the summer at you know lots of good swimming and and things like that is that the oak creek that is the oak creek <laughs> <laughs> i saw a bunch of signs for it um so yeah that's actually a good point we should talk about where we are in northern arizona so we are about two hours north of phoenix yes by car by car What's the other option? Uh, good point. <laughs> Hitchhiking or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then just north of here, about 40 minutes or so, is Flagstaff, right. also known as Flag. Yeah. You looked at me funny when I called it Flag, and then I forget that other people don't. Like, that's a normal thing for us. But yeah, it's called Flagstaff. Um, it's got Northern Arizona University up there. It's got great beer. Um, they're our closest beer community, so we spend a lot of time with them up there. So they're great. And what's and what's wild for me, at least, when we were in Flagstaff uh, last week, it was snowing like every day, and then we drove the forty minutes south to Sedona, and it's beautiful, sixties during the day and forties at night. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. They're skiing up in Flagstaff all winter. Um, it's a small little mountain, but it's something you can do when you need some skiing. They're at over seven thousand feet in town, so their weather's totally different than ours, where we're at forty five hundred feet. Um, okay, but it, it is, it's a nice break. They love coming down here in the winter and we love going up there in the summer. <laughs> it's a really great balance. Yeah. That's uh it's really neat to have, like you said, like the desert down here, not like the too many cactus desert, but like right. these red rocks. And then if you wanted to, you can go snowboarding 40 minutes North of here. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's the area for anyone who doesn't know where Sedona is. Um, but let's talk about some beer. Totally. So Sedona Beer Company. So you are the Sedona Beer Company. You're one of two breweries in Sedona. Right. And do you ever feel pressure having the name Sedona Beer Co? Like you are representing in a way Sedona. Do do you ever feel that pressure? Uh, Not really. Um, (laughs) We opened the first week of August, so we've only been open about five months. Uh, And the reason we chose Sedona Beer Company is we've lived in some places where the main steak brewery is called whatever place beer company, right? We were in Boulder. There's Boulder beer. We were in Denver. There's Denver beer co. Yep. Like there are these places that hold down the beer community and have this like really awesome name. And when we were trying to come up with the name for the business, we realized like there's no reason not to be Sedona and not rep that really awesome name for what people come to know as a beautiful place. Yeah. It's and. Your guys' logo is unbelievable, too. I'm sitting at, we're sitting at the bar right now, and I can see the T-shirts behind the bar, and you have, like, the huge red rock structures that um, kind of, like, in the silhouetted with the, the moon and the stars. It's a great logo to go with a great name. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we like it. So you opened up five months ago. Right. But the shirt that I'm looking at right here says established 2016. Yeah. Um, that's how long it took us to get open. Okay. So, uh, I mean, opening a brewery is always... A lot has a lot of challenges. Um, Sedona, so a lot of breweries, as you know, are open in industrial space. Yep. Um, as you can tell, our building is not industrial space. <laughs> not and at all. The, the reason for that is, is Sedona's never had any industry, so we have really no industrial space in town. Oh. Um, so not only did was this many years of planning, but it took us two and a half years to find a building. Oh. And after that two and a half years, um, it took us almost a year of construction. So we're paying, you know, I, we technically incorporated in 2015, but we really felt like we started the push in 2016. So we're paying respect to that time we put in to get where we are now. And, uh, 
and you know it's uh it's been an adventure we're happy to be here and it was uh and i'm glad i'm stubborn enough that i wanted to do it in my hometown <laughs> and you guys are in an incredible location like right off the main strip and uptown sedona it's called uptown sedona yeah. Yeah, which is like the plenty of shops and restaurants and you guys are just like a block off that right uh walking distance and we're actually parked we parked the rv in the public parking spot like right like 20 feet away in the in the public parking which is super convenient for us right yeah it's it's great that public parking's relatively new and we feel like we're far enough off the strip that locals aren't afraid to come but close enough that you know, tourists can wander up here from the main drag. Yeah, just stumble across it. Right. And so you mentioned the building, and you kind of talked, we, we kind of talked, talked about this the other day, about what this building was beforehand. This was a restaurant? Yeah. So the, the actual building was uh, built as a house in the late 60s, um, but it got renovated and was a Japanese restaurant for 25 years. I think they renovated in 93, 94. So this was an authentic Japanese restaurant up until um, 2017. Okay, and what of the restaurant is still here? Did you have to gut the entire thing, or was this bar here? Gut the entire thing. Um, you'll notice there's bamboo all over our property, so that's kind of something that you know speaks to the Japanese restaurant. Um, our courtyard is like very much a Zen garden. Uh, we reclaimed as much of the restaurant as we can. All of our tabletops are handmade mesquite that were their tabletops. We made our taster boards out of their old chairs. Um, we really tried to pay respect to the business that was here before us. Um, we loved eating here, so, uh, you know, we wanted to keep that memory alive in any way we could. Wow. And so this is where the taproom is in the kitchen, but the actual brewing happens, like, 10 feet that way in a different building. Right. Well, it's it's connected, kind of, but it's the it's like if the building's a horseshoe, the taproom's one end of the horseshoe, and the brewery's the other end. Okay. So um, in our courtyard, it's, it's kind of catty corner, and we have a, a five-barrel brewery um, that came from us from American Beer Equipment in Nebraska. And uh, we built the whole thing from scratch. So, and uh, and the spot where you have the actual brewing happening is a wonder. It's a, a wonder. Like you showed me the other <laughs> day, you have all this equipment in such this really uh, you know small room, this tight area. But you guys managed to fit it all in there, and it looks super efficient and uh, almost like a mad scientist way that you guys set it all up, and it all fits perfectly. Yeah, we were always told by every other brewery. We- uh, met with to fit to give yourself as much capacity as possible as early as possible so we really pushed our limits in fitting the most amount of equipment in that room we possibly can um, our brewer is an engineer by education he made it fit how i don't know um, <laughs> but it worked out and uh, an install was quite the experience um, but it fits and it runs and it's uh it's efficient and we're so far turning out a lot of good beer okay um, and that actually brings me to the next point you mentioned before where, where you got your equipment. You mentioned the other day while we were chatting about you guys had a little bit of a fumble on your first day trying to brew beer. Oh yeah. So, um, we flew our installer in to help us get going for our, they, they come and they brew your first batches with you to help make sure you understand your equipment and all of that, which is great. And our installer, Justin is getting ready with Mac um, going through all of his chemicals, going through processes, and he realized we didn't have enough passivation acid. And he said, like, we can't brew. You don't have enough acid for us to brew. And so I made a call up to Mother Road in Flagstaff and said, hey, and they're, they're running, their small breweries, a 15-barrel brew house. They're big breweries, like a, a 30 or a 45. They just opened a production facility. I said, hey, I really need a gallon of passivation acid. Is there any way I can come up and get some? And to them a gallon of passivation acid i'm sure is nothing they you know 
and they said absolutely it'll be ready in an hour I get up there, I pick it up, I try to pay for it. They say, no, bring us a growler when the beer is ready. <laughs> and, uh, and I bring it down, and, and he brews his first batch, which was a Hefeweizen. It goes well, and, uh, and you know our brewery friends and flag saved the day. Wow. So that kind of goes to show that, you know, even though it is a different town, you guys are kind of looking out for each other. It's, it's that goes back to the whole beer community that the beer community is so supportive of each other. And that's a great example. Totally. It's the, the coolest, one of the coolest things about being in this community is the support and the camaraderie of it. Um, most like 99% of breweries and owners, you can call and say, Hey, I really need help with blank. And they're going to be like, okay, let's go sit down. Let's chat about it. Let's have some beer. And, uh, and it's super cool. Yeah. And you said that there is a whole bunch in Flagstaff. So it is nice to know that, you know, you have, kind of like those people looking out for you in case anything does go bad. Totally. Yeah. There's seven up there, which is kind of crazy for the size of the city. Um, but they're all doing really cool stuff and they're all really nice. So can't beat having those kind of neighbors. Absolutely. Let's just jump right into talking about some beer. Yeah. So what kind of beers you guys brewing? So, um, right now we have nine beers on tap. We really try to do a wide variety of beer, for our consumers, we're not one of those places that stick to one style or one genre of beer. Um, when we, you know, when I have my brewer with me and he talks about his style, he really talks about taking traditional continental Europe, European styles of beer and Americanizing them. I think that's really well shown by our American Abbey Ale. So it's a, it's based on a Belgian Double, but rather than importing Belgian grains and importing Belgian candy sugar. He used all American grains and he used bootstrap molasses. So it really changes the profile of the beer. You get a lot of raisiny and prune notes from it, but you can tell that it's still within that style range. And so I feel like that's a great example of his, you know, model of beer. Take, you know, well-loved styles and try to Americanize them the best you can. Um, One way we're really trying to push for that is there is a local maltster in Camp Verde, which is about a half hour south of here. Okay. So the Hauser and Hauser Farms is a family who converted some of their fields to grow barley as a water conservation effort to reduce the burden on the Verde River. And because Arizona and water is important. (laughs) So barley is a winter crop. So they're now using water at a lower stress time on the river to grow barley. And then the Uh. river conservation... Um, project opened a maltster called Sanawa Malt. Hold on one second. Yep. FedEx just stopped in real quick. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's a yeast delivery. So, all right. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, it's malted by Sanawa Malt, which is in Camp Verde, and it was started as a river conservation project. And the whole goal is to re- reduce the burden on the river, um, create a product, and be a profitable conservation project. So, all of our base grain comes from Sanawa. Um, my brewer just took his Subaru there yesterday, got a thousand pounds and drove back. So <laughs> can you fit that much in a Subaru? Yeah. And he did two trips. So, oh, okay. I mean, so he did 2000 pounds yesterday. So he did, he brought a thousand in, he filled two growlers for the guys who work there, went back, gave them beer and then brought the second half of the grain back. Cause he has his next eight beers lined up for brewing. So, which is why we got a yeast delivery just now. Yeah. So, so I have so many questions to go along with this. So, <laughs> uh, so the, uh, so other ingredients. So I see you have your yeast, your yeast delivered. Are those coming from other areas of the states? Uh, so that's coming from Portland, Imperial Yeast. Okay. Uh, it's a relatively small yeast company. They've been really great. Um, yeah, so they get they overnight us yeast when we order because you want it close to when you brew. You don't want yeast hanging out. Because okay. we're using right now uh, a wet yeast and not a dry yeast. Dry have a 
longer shelf life, but um, are kind of new to the brewing industry. If you think about like bread yeast, okay. how that's a dry yeast. Um, there, there is some up and coming dry yeasts that are coming to beer, but right now most people use an activated yeast product that comes in a solution. So what is that? So is that not like a powder? Is that more like a, like a liquid? Yeah. Do you want to see it? Uh, yeah. Let's bring it out. <laughs> this is actually for my own sakes. I don't know the difference. <laughs> oh, wow. This is like um, a full batch pitch of yeast. It says what the strain is. It's kept cold to put the yeast in dormant. And for, you know, obviously you guys can't see it's a podcast. It's like, it looks kind of like a half gallon plastic jug. Of chocolate milk. It looks like chocolate <laughs> milk. <laughs> yeah, like a light chocolate milk. <laughs> okay, so that's some cool knowledge. That if, from home brewing my beers, all I've ever done, um, which was, again, extract brewing. So it's nothing fancy. Uh, I just got my little yeast packet that I tossed in my fridge. It was just like a little like the same kind of yeast you would make bread with. So the more, you know, cool. That was a fun, <laughs> a fun side adventure. Yeah, there you go. That, that's, that's a learning experience. That's the whole point of this. And then how about hops? Where are you getting those from? Hops come from Yakima Valley. Um, Hollingberry and sons is our hop provider. Most of the hops still come from the Northwest in this country. Um, I know there is some push for some Arizona growers to do hops and they'll do some drought resistant varieties. And as soon as that becomes a more of a thing, we will be buying them. <laughs> We grow hops on our patio. We planted them maybe four months ago. They won't be up until probably the spring. Um, but if we can manage to get enough for a uh, wet hopped beer, that'll be awesome. Wow. That's great. And uh, you mentioned before that you have, you know, eight, the next eight beers lined up. Yeah. How does, this is like kind of for my own sake, how does making a beer recipe go down? Do you and the brewer sit down and say, hey, we want to make a Hefeweizen with this kind of hops and this kind of yeast, whatever it is, or is it kind of like, oh, let's start making this beer. You know what? Today I'm feeling like adding this to it or how structured is it? It's pretty structured. Um, I'm not a big part of the recipe development other than the brewer who is my husband running things past me. Like, do you think this is a good idea? Um, when it comes to like what malts to use, what hops to use, like I have not a lot of input. I'm not the most educated person on those topics, um, but he will bring me in. So he has a horchata beer planned and so we spent a lot of time talking about spices and, and hops and things like that um, because for those more those larger variety beers that he's adding more things to, you know, sometimes he wants to talk through them. So he tends to lean towards – so obviously Sanawa is our base malt for everything, so that doesn't have to be talked about, which is great okay. to use local malt in that way. Um, and then he orders specialty malts for anything that needs more toasting because right now Sanawa is only doing a light toasted malt. And then he tends to have preferences in hops um, just by his own preferences. And so, you know, we talk about which one he thinks would go best. He writes a recipe. Uh, it's about sugar extraction and, and all of those things, whether he drops the hops in the boil or dry hops or like with our stout, he hung 15 pounds of coffee in it. So we basically um, cold brewed it in our coffee. Wow. Or in our, we cold brewed coffee in our beer. So those kinds of things are, are things we talk about, but he, he has a set amount of recipes before we make any orders, so he makes sure he has everything okay, okay. on hand. Okay, so it's not as uh, as kind of like winging it as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> no, no. Not, I mean, sometimes he gets the wrong grain delivery, and that can change his plans. Okay. Yeah. And has there been any beers that you've made that, you know, you guys had it planned out, we're going to make it this way, and then it comes out, and you're like, well, this tasted nothing like we expected, but it's still good or 
Oh, this is pretty bad. We got a drain for this. <laughs> we haven't dumped any beer yet, thank God. Okay. It doesn't mean it won't happen. It everyone says it'll happen. <laughs> um so our golden, which is one of our, which is looking like a flagship beer, so we were, were we don't know what our flagship beers are yet. Um but it's looking like it might be one. That was planned as a different beer. A completely different beer. But when he went to brew it, he had been shorted a bag of grain. And uh. so he swapped it out for a different bag that he had on hand. And that's the beer that was born. Um, totally out of style for what he was planning on. But a very popular beer nonetheless. Um, and then as for beers not coming out how we expected, I think our first batch of any beer is going to be a little different than we expect. Right? He plans it all out on paper, but we've never brewed it before. It's going to come out a way that we're not really sure about. So we have a scotch ale with maple syrup fermenting right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, um, it's coming out really well, but we didn't know what maple syrup would do in the fermenter. We never used maple syrup as our sugar added. And it's going really well. But, you, you know, there are things you just have to try and see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And these recipes you're saying, you know, maple syrup and molasses and all these different kinds of things. How did the whole getting into beer like how did it transform from i'm guessing home brewing and then into like this large scale not even large scale just like you know just starting off with that first homebrew kit to getting into beer that's like so experimental and exciting how what was that transition like was that just many years of practice or just trying it and seeing how it works out i'm not gonna speak too much for mac <laughs> um but i mean he did he homebrewed for a decade before we decided to do this okay um and he did have the opportunity to commercially brew with some friends in Denver who have a brewery to just kind of see if it was something he'd be interested in. I do think that jumping in commercially, it stretches him to be more creative. It's not one batch you're going to drink over the course of a month, right? Because when you homebrew, you don't have nine varieties of homebrew on. Um, so I definitely think it's uh, it's been a, a, a period of growth and you kind of just jump in and, and use the support of other breweries and figure out what people like. Yeah, yeah. And... Your guys' menu really is, you have to have uh, an eclectic mix of beers. You know, you have the Golden Ale. You have uh, two different rotating IPA series, right? Yep. And then you have the one IPA that you had was like 9% that I mm. wanted to try, but I was driving. But I was like, oh, next time I come back. I'll get you one. <laughs> at least a little one while you're here. And then, yeah, you know, you have the Coffee Stout. And the beer that I want to know more about is the Juniper, Is it was it Juniper? Saison. Saison. Yeah, that went off on last weekend. And um, it's actually based on a homebrew beer that he had made. After oh, okay. we moved here. So juniper is a local tree to the area. We actually have multiple varieties of juniper in the area. Oh, okay. And he made a homebrew batch where during pollination season, he actually dropped a branch in the boil and it had pollen on it. And he boiled the branch in homebrew. The beer came out really, really good. Great black pepperiness to it. And so he did a similar thing. He, he ba- did a base saison. He took a branch from a juniper that's actually on property and dropped it in the boil. Did you just go out there and just like cut one? Like, oh, this one looks good. I think so. I wasn't <laughs> here. But I think that's kind of, you know, he found a tree that needed trimmed anyway and took a couple of clippings and, uh, and dropped it in the boil. And it gave this great kind of black pepperiness to it, but it's still really clean. You can tell there's some like wood characters, but it's not juniper in the way that um, juniper berries are juniper. It's juniper in this like woody character of, of spices. Okay. I'll give you a taste of that too. Was it on when you were here before? Yeah, I got. Okay. A, I think I got a pint of it. It was. It was awesome. Um, yeah, it was uh, when I. So actually, I should mention the first time I came here. So before I came to Sedona, I reached out to uh, Kali and I was like, "Hey, like, do you guys want to do a podcast? Uh, I'm in the area." 
And I didn't hear a response from her yet, but like I was in Sedona. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the brewery anyway and get some beers. And then as I'm plugging my phone, the address, like the directions how to get here, she e- emails me back saying, uh, yeah, let's do a podcast. When are you available? And then I walk in. She's like, are you Nash? I'm like, yeah, it's Nash. Like, we just emailed each other. <laughs> Uh, yeah it was good yeah it was like a middle of the day too it was cool because kind of saying with your different varieties of beer there was people coming in they're like oh i want something like light to drink or that's not too bitter and you're like oh we have this golden ale yeah and uh and then i come in i'm like i want something that's like a hot bomb or whatever it is you're like oh have this ipa series one or whatever it is um and then even the 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 bartender time is like oh i love this awesome coffee style we have try this so like it was so great seeing that you guys had the different varieties that no matter what kind of beer you liked there's something here for you to drink that's the plan yeah and then you all guys also have food here so how did that come into all this yeah so um we always wanted to open a brewery we never really had plans around food other than we knew that it was an important component and we'd figure it out when we got there and when we rented this building it had a full kitchen which also we didn't know that was going to happen with a building when we were looking we weren't looking exclusively at buildings with kitchens or whatever it just happened to happen okay so we start construction. We have no plans about food. We meet with local restaurateurs, see if they want to rent our kitchen, go through a lot of processes, can't really find the right fit. And then um, one of our favorite places to go out to eat, their chef, he, our, who is our chef, was working there, had left. And I asked, like, can I have his number after he had already left his previous job? And I, I gave him a call and asked him if he wanted to do something different and help us open this, this brew pub and have a very chef driven menu that that's meant to complement beer. And he was on board and he joined us two months before we opened and didn't have a kitchen to work in because we were under construction. So he ended up painting most of our building. He refinished our tabletops. He helped us pour our concrete bar. He's a superhero. Um, and then once we got open, he's just making killer food specials change all the time. Menu changes all the time. He's making all our sauces from scratch and uh, really trying to just create a, a great menu um, for Sedona, for, for beer drinkers, and, and good options. And he does a great job. And he sounds like a renaissance man. <laughs> What's his name? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Shout out to Jeffrey for yeah. uh, the food and the help with all the renovating. All right. Above. And then, it, I mean, when I was here the other day, people were ordering food outside. So this bar is like two-sided, right? Right. Yeah, we can open the windows when the weather is nice behind the bar and serve directly onto one of our two patios. Wow. So you can get a burger, you can get a flight of beer, and then you have this amazing view of the Red Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. You know, we have some really great space, um, some great views and you know, it's not a, not a bad place to come and spend an afternoon. Not at all. And then even, uh, tonight you guys, there's an event in Sedona for Christmas where they do a display of Christmas things on these rock walls or something like that. Yeah. They project like lights kind of like a light show onto one of the rocks and like the local radio station plays the accompanying music they just started it last year oh, okay um so it started two days ago and it goes through tomorrow i think and they do it four shows a night and we learned last night both of our patios are a great viewing spot for it <laughs> so i actually turned off the patio lights last night for one of the shows and a bunch of people went outside and watched it and yeah, it was a, it's a cool, I mean, they all had beer. It was a, a good balance, you know? Awesome. Well, I will definitely be here tonight for that. And, uh, unfortunately this podcast is coming out on Monday. So by the time this comes out, the event will be over, but next year, <laughs> next year, yeah, you can plan ahead. Um, okay. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So on your email, you have, uh, your signature is like beer or like Sedona beer, Co- Sedona beer co founder and beer advocate. Yeah. So 
you just love beers. So you're like, I want to put beer advocate. Yeah. So um, both Mac and I have education and other things before we started this. Mac is an engineer by education, and his signature is Principal Brewgineer. <laughs> and uh, and my signature is relating to the fact that I'm actually a social worker in my oh, day okay. job. So you know, advocacy is a thing I do in real life, and uh, and we wanted to kind of like you know throw our signatures to the way of like, yeah, we do other things. So beer advocate was really just me kind of saying like, I do advocate for beer. I think it's important. I think it's a community builder. I think craft business is super important. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just speaking to my social workiness. And speaking with that, you are still working a full-time job, right? I sure am. Wow. So that, so, (laughs) so how do you balance between, you know, starting a brewery and like with beer and food and, uh, the, your full-time job and also annoying people like me asking you to do a podcast. <laughs> How do you balance all of it all? Um, I don't know if I'm balancing yet, um, but <laughs> really it's just the help of, of my husband, the brewer and my staff. I couldn't do it without them right now. I'm just running myself ragged with the hopes of one day not working so much. Um, and really I just, you know, when things are important to me, I make time and, and that's how you do it. And I prioritize and I try to delegate when I can and, Hopefully one day I'll only have one job. That that's uh, incredible. It really is like the uh, the like true American starting a craft brewery story where everyone says you know we're taking these uh, you know sacrifices and putting it on the line. Hopefully for this good beer and for the community. And that sounds exactly what you guys are doing. So it's like that's the plan. Right out of a textbook. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona beer itself is a growing scene for sure. I was talking with. Eric Walters the other day from Tap That AZ podcast, which who yeah. you told me to reach out to. Yeah, he's up, the best. He's got a he's a great guy. Yeah, totally. And he was talking about how there's so much beer growing, the beer industry is growing so much in Arizona, and you guys being a prime example of that. Yeah, we're definitely growing a lot. And is there any like huge events that you guys do as a state? I know you guys have the Arizona Brewers Guild. Yeah, the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. Um, that was a sign right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. They represent craft beer in Arizona really well. Um, and then there's Arizona beer week. It's the second week in February. I believe it starts February 7th and there will be events all over the state festivals, beer pairing dinners, you name it. It'll be going on that week. We'll do some events with some local places and probably a food pairing dinner and things like that. If people have interest in coming, um, join our email list through our website, SonotaBeerCo.com, and I'll be sending out emails about events that are coming. And the weather in February is probably going to be perfect compared to, or significantly better than most of the other <laughs> states. So definitely uh, try to come out. I think actually I checked because we want to come back through here. I think it's like, uh, like the mid thirties at night and like yeah, during the day, like perfect hiking weather and um, a little cold for camping, but you can make it work. Yeah, you can make it work. Okay, now the question that I've been trying to ask everybody on the podcast, this being the second time I've only asked it, so hopefully it'll become a trend after this is. Um, the funniest or craziest beer story that you've had, in, um, or just one fun, funny or crazy beer story you've had in the midst of all this. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the passivation acid thing was definitely like <laughs> oh, yeah. one of the, the craziest things that have happened. But um, another one is, so we had about 36 hours notice to opening. Um, we were waiting on one permit. And as soon as that permit came through, it was like on a Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, we decided to open that Friday. The beer was made, which was great. We had four beers made. Um, our chef was not ready, right? He, he did like 12 hours of prep the day before to make all his sauces and stuff. Um, and then the day of opening comes, we're going to open at three and one of our locals comes in at like 1230, sits down at the bar. This is someone who's, who's very involved. And so, you know, 
we know who he is. And he sits down at the bar and he's like, I want to eat lunch. And we're like, we're not ready. <laughs> and he's like, no, but I want to eat lunch. And so I stick my head in the back because he's important. And I ask Jeff and I'm like, hey, man, Tom's here. Can you make him some food? And my chef looks at me like I'm crazy. And, but he says yes because Jeffrey is amazing all the time. And, uh, and he said, it's going to be a while. But we get it done. We get him beer. And the reason he wanted to come in early is those two fives hanging on the wall. He wanted to be the first cash purchase. He oh. wanted his money on the wall. So he came in three hours early to make sure it happened. And we made sure, you know, he got a good lunch and had some beer. And, and then he, you know, took his way. And it was a, a lot of pressure. But, you know, I thought it was a good way of uh, signifying that we, you know, had come to the point of, of opening. So That's great. That's, uh, and it is really cool seeing the two fives over there now. Whenever you guys come to visit, you guys can see the two fives around the wall. And that yeah, was, uh, and that's the story behind them. Wow. And then the one I always like to ask is, Ed, what advice do you have to someone who is homebrewing beer or is interested in jumping into the beer industry? Um, kind of what advice or what, to, what should they expect? Yeah, I mean, talk to the breweries in your area. More than likely, you send them an email, someone's going to be willing to sit down with you um, and, and meet with as many as you can because you'll see themes of what worked, what didn't work, what to be realistic about, what not to. If you can make some friends and brew on commercial systems, that's always good. Uh, learn as much as you can about yeast and water and, and all of those things that are, are harder to control when you get bigger. But really just reach out to your breweries. Find your community. Talk to your, your state's brewers guild. There are lots of people who are willing to help. Wow. And again, it goes back to the supportive community of the beer industry, which was you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because I knew people would be willing to sit down and chat. And Totally. That's great. That's really great to hear. Yeah. Okay, so we are at around 35 minutes, so let's just wrap it up. If someone wanted to get in contact with you or see the brewery or uh, get any info on you or you guys' brewery, how would they do that? Yeah, so SedonaBeerCo.com. Um, we're on Instagram, Sedona Beer. We're on Facebook. Um basically any of those ways you'll you'll get us and uh and if you want to come find us we're at 465 jordan road um which is just uh, you know adjacent to uptown sedona all right and as always if you guys want to get in contact with myself just google brewery talks podcast or check anywhere where you listen to your podcast you can find us or uh message us or contact us at uh signs it up traveling.com holly thank you again so much for meeting us today i know you're super busy um this was great i really appreciate it thank you very much yeah no problem nash thanks for coming Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Brewery Talks. If you like what you heard, go give it five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, You know what? Go tell a friend. Have them come listen to the podcast as well. And you have a wonderful day. Cheers.